Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money, and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the wait list before Sunday the 19th, and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the wait list right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into sovereign money. Hello, my beautiful souls. Boy, do I have an episode for you. <laughs> so a couple months ago, Brennan, my husband and I, recorded a episode talking all about sex. So we talked about sex from our perspective, mostly as, you know, a married couple and how we navigate all of the things when it comes to our sex drive and desire, balancing masculine and feminine energies, being comfortable around one another, et cetera, et cetera. Well, today, instead of just sharing my personal experience, I brought on a sex expert. And I know I like to use this word a lot, but let's go ahead and appropriately match it to a very well-deserved topic. This episode is juicy (laughs) and we get very personal. And let me just tell you, I share things I never once thought I'd ever share on a podcast, which is always fun, of course. So I just have no filter. I'm super open, super transparent. I know that Brennan and I were super open and transparent with our last episode, but I just go on a whole nother level in this episode, which I hope you guys enjoy. Um, If you guys don't know who Vanessa is, Vanessa Marin is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She's here to help you stop feeling embarrassed about sex and start having way more fun in the bedroom. She has a bachelor's degree in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and a master's degree in counseling psychology. She has written for the New York Times, Allure, and Lifehacker, and has been featured thousands of times, very impressive, in major publications like O, The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, and Real Simple. Vanessa specializes in online programs that help you transform your sex life from ordinary to extraordinary, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home through courses like Finishing School, Learn How to Orgasm, and The Passion Project, a couple's blueprint to rediscovering desire and reigniting reigniting the spark, she finds immense joy in spreading the message that we all deserve more from our sex lives. I agree. Um, Vanessa and I will also be giving you guys a special link that she created just for you to go check out resources that she created just for the Manifestation Babe podcast listeners that I know you will absolutely love. And you can find the link in the show notes as well, just in case you don't remember 
how we spell it out for you, what I'm about to say, and um, you're having trouble finding it, it's going to be linked directly in the show notes, but I'll also let you know that it's vmtherapy.com slash manifestation babe. All right. I don't want to take up any more of your time with this intro. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Hello, Vanessa, and thank you so much for coming on to the Manifestation Bay podcast. I am so, 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 so excited for this super juicy topic that we're getting into today. And I know it's going to help so many people. Vanessa, I'm so excited to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here too. I'm just thrilled that you are willing to go there with your audience because you're so right. Like even just having the most basic conversation about sex really helps people because it's still something that we do not talk about. So I'm just so honored that you're willing to go there and that you're letting me come along for the ride with you. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Like everybody wants better finances and everyone wants a better sex life. But for some reason, these are the two things that we just don't talk about or we're embarrassed to talk about, or it's taboo to talk about, or we're, we're looked at weird if we talk about money and sex in public. So I love that we're broadcasting this. I love that we're putting it out there and making this like an open topic so that women and men no longer feel shame around this. So yay, I'm so yes. excited. <laughs> okay, so you are a sex therapist. How in the world did you get into what you're doing today? Like what's the backstory? <laughs> so this whole career really traces back to my parents trying to give me the talk. Um, so I don't know. Did you ever have, did your parents ever try to give you I the talk? never <laughs> ever once talked about sex with my mom. I never got the talk. It was just one of those things we don't talk about until she found that I was having it. And then I kind of got shamed a little bit of like, I wish you would have waited a few more years. Like I wish you would have waited until you were 17 years old. And then I was felt really bad about myself because I started when I was 14 and I was like, Oh my God, I'm such a slut, you know, like all that societal Mm -hmm. conditioning starts coming in. So no, I didn't have any formal talks. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents, they tried, which I will give them some credit for. I know it's a hard thing to do, but, um, our version of the talk was basically them asking me, well, you know, if you have any questions about, you know, they didn't even say the word sex. (laughs) You can ask us. And so I remember I was about 12 at the time. And I remember in that moment knowing, hmm, they're telling me that I can ask questions if I have them. But what they're really saying is, please, for the love of God, do not ask us anything right now. We don't want to talk about it. And so I just remember even at that really tender age, like just sitting with that, like, why can't we talk about this? I actually do have a lot of questions. I'm really curious. I'm starting to hear stuff on the playground and from my friends. And so I really wanted to be able to talk to them about it. And I just was really struck by how uncomfortable they were. So at the age of 12, I had no idea that sex therapy was a career (laughs) that I could pursue. Um, But that moment just really stuck with me in the back of my head for years and years and years until I got a little bit older and started thinking about, you know, what do I want to do with my life? I just kept coming back to that moment of, you know what? I want to help people talk about sex and realize that it doesn't have to be embarrassing. It's something that we all do. It's a part of all of our lives. So why can't we just talk about it? And still to this day, that's really this, you know, the crux of everything that I do is just helping open up these conversations. I love that. That is incredible. What do you find, um, you know, amongst the people that come across your work and the people that you help, like are most people pretty embarrassed about this topic? Like, do they feel like, do you feel like they hold themselves back from some of the questions that they ask you? Or do you feel like people have been opening up more and more as our society's kind of like, quote unquote, progressing forward? We definitely have made a lot of progress, but I think most people still feel this really central shame or embarrassment around sex and still struggle to, you know, maybe if they can talk about it a little bit more openly than they used to before, there's still a lot of things that they won't talk about or feel way too embarrassed to talk about. And, you know, particularly from women, because I work a lot with women with female orgasm, and I hear a lot from women you know, I can't even talk to my closest girlfriends about this. And so I think that's still, that's a sign of how difficult it still is for so many of us. If even our best friends in the world, we don't feel like we can be fully open with them. Yeah. It's so fascinating, this topic, because I was someone who was like super embarrassed to talk about it with like my close girlfriends. 
never in my life did I ever want to hear the words come out of my mom's mouth because we just didn't. Now we have that relationship before we just did not have that relationship. But me and my husband share a similarity and we were actually those kids. Like since we remember since like the age of eight or nine or 10 around there, like when we started like kind of like growing into puberty slowly, but surely we would find ourselves in the sex section of Barnes and Noble And we would read every single book. And I remember taking books and like, you know, taking another book, but like hiding the actual book inside (laughs) for hours. I was so, so curious. And so was he. And we laugh about it so much because it's like, we wanted that knowledge and we were so curious Mm -hmm. about it, but it was like still that shame. And even now, like I have, this is so funny. So I have bought bought a lot of um, books on like female sexuality recently. And I have them, like I read a ton of them and then I have a bunch that I'm still like going through on my bookshelf. And so weird, but like my, um, when Brendan and I were in Sedona, like a couple weeks ago doing a launch, when we came home, the women who um, were cleaning our home, like a couple of days before we get got back, we scheduled a cleaning. They literally like organized all my sex books and put them <laughs> on my bedside table. And I just like, <laughs> and I was like, this is so funny. Like, this is so random. Slightly, I felt like a twinge of embarrassment and it just shows you like, there's still so much conditioning that needs to be undone. So I'm so excited to dive into this. Like, can we just like, let's pick a topic. Let's talk about this one really came up for a lot of women that I pulled this morning. I pulled my audience and I was like, guys, your girl's interviewing a sex therapist for the podcast today. What do you want to know? Ask your most embarrassing questions. Doesn't matter. You're going to be anonymous. I'm not going to call you out. Like (laughs) it's okay. And libido came up for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially like mismatched libido, right? Like oh, yeah. some, some women and men feel like, you know, I have an overactive sex drive and my partner doesn't have much of a sex drive, or I have a very, um, underactive sex drive and my partner has a very overactive sex drive and I feel guilty about it or they feel guilty about it. And it's just like, it's so, it's just never like, it never really aligns at the same time. Like can you speak on that? Like, what is the deal? And can we ever like align ourselves to have similar sex drives for our partners? Yeah, that is such a great question. And that's something that so many couples are struggling with. And so the part, the place that I always start with this is that it's really important to recognize that every single couple has mismatched sex drives. Mm. So we hear that phrase and we get really scared and nervous about, you know, compatibility and is this really going to work? But the reality is, you know, you're two different people with two different sets of needs and desires, and you are never going to find another person who wants sex at the exact same time, in the exact same way, you know, every single time that you want it. There's always going to be some amount of mismatch. So I think if we start there with just normalizing, hey, it's okay to have mismatched sex drive. I have mismatched sex drives with my husband Xander, you know, just normalizing it. I think that takes away some of the anxiety and the shame and the fear and then helps us realize, oh, there actually are ways for us to balance our needs with our partners. So we just have to start there. It's kind of similar to, you know, just in relationships in general, like we're fine with acknowledging I'm a different person from my partner. I have different needs from my partner. I communicate in a different way. I need apologies in a different way. I like to do different stuff for date night. Like we don't get as freaked out about those differences. We just accept and acknowledge them and find ways to compromise. But with, you know, with sexual desire issues, because sex is such a taboo topic, we just get really freaked out and then we feel stuck. Mm, That makes sense. So how many different sex drives are there? Like, there is it, is it just like low or high medium? Like, is, do you find like that some people, like there's a, a common gauge that people have, like, this is kind of more normal. This is abnormal. Like at what point should you get, like, here's what I'm really asking. If you have a really so low libido, low sex drive, like when I was, um, when I had my breast implants still inside my body and I just know that for me personally, like I never had a sex drive, like my libido, my mm-hmm. hormones were all sorts of wacky. Like I just never wanted to have sex. And then as soon as I took them out, I could feel myself like stabilizing and being like, oh my God, this is how I normally am. Like, is there a range or a gauge for when, um, you should seek help? Like this is a hormonal issue or this is a, a compatibility issue or like at what point does it become an issue and how can we kind of like solve those issues? Am I making sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think we can look at it in two different ways. One is on an individual level and one is on a couple level. 
So on an individual level, it's really important to recognize that there is no such thing as a healthy sex drive. It's completely dependent on the individual. So for example, I've worked with couples where they had sex, you know, a couple of times a year and they were totally happy. They felt very satisfied, very intimate and connected. I've also worked with couples who had sex multiple times a day and said, you know, we're disconnected. Our sex drives are mismatched. We're not having anywhere near as much sex as we want to be having. So it's just so relative. It's really dependent on the individual. So I think the question that you want to ask yourself is, how do I feel about my sex drive? So if your sex drive feels like it's on the low end, but you feel totally happy, satisfied, it doesn't bother you, then it's not a problem right? It just really depends on how do we feel about it. So it gets a little bit more complex than when you're in a relationship and you're kind of navigating, okay, we're different people. We have different sets of desires. You know, when is this an issue? And I think that it's an issue whenever it's an issue for one partner. So sometimes there's one partner who's feeling, you know, I'm disconnected. I want something different from our sex life. And the other partner is maybe not quite there yet. Maybe they're fine with how their sex life is, or they've got too much else going on that they can't even really focus on your sex life. Um, so in that case, if it's bothering one partner, I think it's something that, you know, we're partners, we're teammates, we're supposed to be working together on anything, you know, that bothers us in our lives. So I think trying to look at it in that way, if it's bothering one person, then it's worth the two of you having some conversations about. So what's next if it is bothering, you know, if it's bothering you, if it's bothering them, like what is kind of like the steps that couples can take from that point? Is it just like, open communication and trying to figure that out or, or do they, or should we seek outside help? Like, can you kind of speak on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think communication is always going to be the central aspect of it. And where you guys can really start is trying to figure out what do we need to make our sex life feel healthy and satisfying and pleasurable and intimate to the two of us. And so again, it's going to be so different, you know, for so many different couples. And I think a lot of times we tend to overly focus on the frequency aspect of it, but there are a lot of other pieces of it too. It's like, well, what kind of sex do we want to have? What sort of emotional connection do we want to experience? How do we want to feel before, during, and after sex? So if you take the fixation away from the numbers, because again, people just get so freaked out about that and have those more general conversations about what what do we want our sex life to look like? What feels really good for us? Um, That can help open up a lot of spaciousness to realize like, oh, actually there are a a lot of similarities in what we're looking for. Um, Another topic that you might want to talk about is what gets in the way of you guys having that kind of sex life. Um, So you mentioned like how many different kinds of sex drives there are. And and there isn't really a question to that, but we can look at, you know, with our sex drives, I like to think of them as having a drive mode and a reverse mode. So Mm -hmm. the drive mode are like, what are the things that actively get us going, get us interested in sex, you know, wanting it. And reverse mode is what are the things that actively get in our way? They're blocking us from having that. And so you can kind of look at those dynamics as a team and say, okay, yeah, what gets in the way of us having this amazing sex life? Is it that we're exhausted all the time? Is it that we're only leaving sex for the end of the night when we just want to sleep? Is it that we haven't, we don't ever have any alone time and we're both just feeling really overwhelmed. We don't want to have more connection. Is it that our bedroom doesn't feel like a very sexy place? We don't feel turned on in it. So there can be tons of different answers, like ranging from logistical to emotional, relational, all kinds of stuff. But if you can take that sort of teamwork approach and, and it's almost like your little investigators trying to discover like, what is it that's getting in our way? And what are the things that get us going? So those are fun answers too. Like, yeah, if I have, if I get to take a bath, I get really in the mood after that. Or if you do some chores, that really turns me on. If you initiate by just giving me a massage rather than us talking about intercourse, that gets me going. You know, so it's like there are a lot of different uh, answers that we can uncover in both of those realms that we can then work together as a team to create. Yeah, I feel like it's both partners getting on board and like treating it like a game. Like I see it very much like a game of like, does this work? No. Oh, this is too much. Okay. Gotcha. Not enough. Okay. Gotcha. And just like trying to figure out. And like, it's like, it's like this person has, you know, pieces of a puzzle and this person has pieces of puzzle and trying to figure out which pieces go together to get that like match where you do have like everything aligns perfectly. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's enough desire and enough libido and enough everything for you guys to have sex. Like I really see it as a game. And just speaking from experience, my husband and I discovered like so much of this, like what, what gets me going, what, you know, makes me go hell no. Right. And for (laughs) him, it's like, everything is a hell yes. Like he would do it in a dumpster. Like it's like, 
he's ready to go whenever. And for me, what I realized is that it's really about environment for me. Like if, if the house is a mess, hell no. If the bedroom is a mess, mm -mm. if something stinks, no, like smell (laughs) is very important to me. Uh Um, and then another thing is just like, yeah, it's very, very environment. And then also I don't want it first thing in the morning and I don't want it before bed. Like I am so, I'm too, I'm too wired and I want to get my day going. And then at night, I just want to go to bed. Like, you know, some couples, they can finish watching TV together in the evening or doing whatever activity it is or finish like a hot date night. And then they go to the bed, go to bedroom and then they have sex, right? For me, it's like, I found that my perfect time is the afternoon because the Mm -hmm. afternoon is when I give myself a break from work. And it's like way in advance of me being too tired. And since my husband, I discover that it's completely changed our entire, just like dynamic around sex where we no longer butt heads or we feel like, you know, I I no longer judge myself for having a, because before I thought it was like, oh, I have a low sex drive. And then I thought to myself, no, 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 no. It's just the environment is messed up right now. And I don't feel, or I don't feel sexy. It's like that time of the month, or it's because, um, it's because it's too late in the evening. And that was like a freaking game changer. And guys, like we have been together for what, almost five years now. And we just discovered this like within the last six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. So it's like giving yourself permission, right? Giving yourself permission to treat it like a game is the sense. Yeah, I think so. I'm all about trying to give really practical, actionable advice to people. And one of the best pieces of advice that I can give to your community is do not leave sex to the very end of the night. Yeah, There's so much stacked up against you at that time. Like we're all exhausted. We're usually up too late anyways. You're doing that like mental calculation in your head of like, okay, if I fall asleep right now, exactly how many hours of sleep would I get? And it's just, it's too much. There's no way that you're going to feel this wild passionate desire to be intimate yeah. with your partner. Or, or if you are, maybe it's like, okay, we can do like 30 seconds and then I got to go to bed. Like, it's just not a good environment at all. So don't save it to the end of the night, prioritize it earlier in the day. But I, I love what you're saying too about it being a game, because I think that too often a lot of us get into this really perfectionistic mindset around sex. Like we just want to have this really hot, crazy good sex life that takes no effort whatsoever. Like Yeah, it just magically happens. It's magically perfect. And I think a lot of people, women in particular, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves of like, oh, I should have this all figured out. I should know exactly what I want, be able to tell my partner exactly what I want. And I think the reality is that we don't ever know that. Like, I really do like to think of sex as a playground of something that we can constantly be exploring and learning new things about ourselves and our partner. And so if we can take that pressure off of ourselves of like, it's supposed to be perfect and everything just works. And in instead take this more experimental mindset like let's try this okay that didn't really work so well well let's try this instead ooh that worked way better you know it's just it's more fun and you're going to actually uncover all of those things that you want to know about what does get you going what does feel good for you what does make you feel connected so yeah treat sex as an exploration as a game that you guys can play together rather than something that you should have all figured out already yeah does the same advice pertain to like solo sex Cause I know oh, like not yes. everyone is in a relationship or not everyone is open. Like I had a couple of people saying like, I'm saving myself for marriage and I'm getting married soon. So I'm, I'm a virgin, never had sex with a partner. So like in terms of solo sex, does the same apply? Like, do you treat them as well? Absolutely. And I think this is a a particular topic that people do not talk about. So I'm so glad that you asked this. But I think that, you know, so most of us, I mean, masturbation is a huge topic in general that brings up a lot of discomfort for a lot of people. And so I think, you know, we're all taught to be kind of ashamed of it. And so what happens is for the people who are brave enough to even try masturbation in the first place, it's like you figure out what you like, what works for you, and then you just stick to it. And you just do that. And a lot of times we subconsciously put this pressure on ourselves to just like get it done as quickly as possible because there's like lingering bits of shame of, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. So let me just hurry up and get it done as soon as I can. And so what happens is that we just keep masturbating in the exact same way over and over again every single time. And basically what we're doing is training our bodies and our brains to only respond to that kind of stimulation. And so then we get into a relationship with a partner. And of course, they're a different person they can't touch us exactly how we touch ourselves. And so you don't feel as sensitive. You're like, oh, I don't really like that. My partner's not doing the right thing, but I don't know how to even describe to my partner what I like to do. 
Um, so it can create a lot of issues for people of all genders where your body just doesn't become as responsive as it would normally. So it's so important to really kind of mix things up on your own. Like we say that advice to couples all the time, like keep it spicy, you know, but we have to do that with ourselves too. So it'll help your body be more responsive and it'll help you learn more about yourself. Realize that there are so many different ways you can pleasure yourself, not just that one old reliable standby technique that you have. Um, And it's just more fun in general too. If we can take our time with it and, you know, and make it an experience that's like fun and enjoyable. Like I like to compare it to, you know, if you're with a partner and they're just rushing through things, you know, just trying to get to the end as quickly as possible. Like most of us would say, don't really love that unless it's like the rare fun little quickie. But, you know, we don't want to do the same sort of thing to ourselves where we're just like, just get it done with, get it over with. Like, what would it look like if we could slow down and enjoy the process, enjoy the journey? Mm, Yeah. And there's so much variety out there, like just sex toys in general. Like there's such a variety. There's such a variety of things that you can do. So like, I really love what you said of like, just relying on that one technique or that one way or that one, uh, you know, time of day that you do it or whatever it is, whatever it is for you. I love that you mentioned that because that's something I realized early on is like, is that I got used to one certain way. Mm-hmm. And like, then when it would be like partner sex, if they didn't do it that one certain way, I would never have an orgasm like ever, ever, ever. And I had this like intuitive hit one day where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to like learn. I'm going to have to, (laughs) I'm going to have to create new neural connections in my brain. Respond to like different types of touch and different um, speeds and different, like all these different variations so that almost anything feels good with a partner. Yeah, exactly. It's really great that you just stumbled upon that on your own because it's something that freaks a lot of women out, you know, when they get with a partner and it's like, yeah, nothing feels anywhere near as good. And it's just that you've trained your brain and your body to respond that way, but it's not a permanent thing. It's not like you've caused permanent damage. It just takes some time and practice and exploration. So a super practical tip that I like to give here is don't use any one technique more than like 50% of the time. So you don't need to like have a little tally sheet keeping the exact math or anything like that. But just in general, like try to think to that of yourself of like, okay, yeah, I did that last time. Let me try something new this time. And that way it will help continue building new neural pathways for yourself and making your body much more sensitive. I love that. Can we talk about orgasm, you know, coming from this topic? Like there, I've heard, I've read many different books from many different experts and I hear like conflicting advice sometimes where for one, it's like, okay, so let me give some backstory and guys, I'm just going to be like super open and share like personal Mm -hmm. information. But for me, I was always led to believe that I'll never be able to have a G-spot orgasm or like uh, uh, um, internal orgasm until I read this one particular book. I think it's called, of course, I'm going to forget right now, but uh, I'll link it in the show notes. There's this one particular book I read uh, on the plane coming home from Singapore back to LA. And I remember as soon as I got home, I decided to try it. And it was almost like a belief shift more than a specific technique. It was like, I had to believe that there's more than one way for me to have an orgasm. And so as soon as I opened myself up to that, I was able to have a G-spot orgasm for the first time ever. And now I'm able to have one with a partner. I'm able to have one by myself. And before I always read, like, if you, if your anatomy is a certain way or like whatever, you can only have uh, clitoral orgasms and you can't have G-spot orgasms and not all women are made the same and blah, 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 blah. So there's like all this conflicting advice and all these conflicting opinions. Like what is your opinion on that? Yes. This is one of my favorite questions to get asked. And I actually have a prop here, which we're going to have to post a picture or something on Instagram. So you probably have seen this if you've been reading a bunch of books, but I actually have a 3D model of the clitoris. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) I had to get it made in uh, gold just to be extra fancy, but this is what the clitoris looks like. Um, And most women do not know that this is the shape of the clitoris. So what we think of as the clitoris is just the little nub of skin that you can, you know, see on your own body. But the clitoris is actually a much, much bigger structure than that. Um, And it goes up into your body and it splits off into two legs. So you can see this is like a wishbone shape. Yeah, it looks just like a wishbone. Yeah, so the clitoris is amazing. The clitoris is the only part of the male or female body that is designed explicitly for pleasure. It has no other purpose. 
purpose. And the clitoris is the biological equivalent of the male penis. So, you know, we, we recognize that the penis is the most sensitive part of male anatomy, but for, you know, for some reason, we don't give the clitoris the same amount of respect that we give the penis. We think that it's, you know, there's all these dumb jokes about it's, oh, it's so hard to find and it's very complicated and it's really mysterious, doesn't even exist, you know, all this kind of stuff. But the reality is it's made from the exact same tissues that make up the penis. It's just a female body instead. So I always like to start with the clitoris because this truly is the center of the universe for female pleasure. It really all comes back to the clitoris and it gets me super fired up that we don't give it the same amount of respect that we give the penis. Like we don't, you know, you don't see all these Maxim articles for men about like, you know, how to have an orgasm from your testicles or from your butt cheeks or stuff like that. Right. But for women, we have all this like, oh, well now you have to have a G-spot orgasm and an energy orgasm and a nipple orgasm. And it's like, you know, so my perspective is it's great to explore any part of your body. You can feel so much pleasure in any part of your body. And if you can be open and curious and excited, that's amazing. But if you're a woman who struggles with orgasm, who has never had an orgasm before, you have to start with the clitoris because that's the part of your body that's designed to make you feel pleasure. And so when it comes to the G-spot, it is a really controversial topic. You'll, you know, you'll see some doctors and researchers saying the G-spot doesn't exist. Some say that it does. It's, you know, there's all this mystery built up around it. But the the perspective that I buy into is that the G-spot, it's not actually a spot. It's actually just a range, uh, like a part of your body that um, is on the front wall of the vagina. And what it actually is, is these ends of the clitoris. So it's part of the clitoris. Closer to it. It's part of the clitoris. So we think of it as this different spot, this like magic hotspot button. A lot of women think like, oh, I just have to find it and like, like touch it. Like you would touch a button and then that's an (laughs) orgasm. (laughs) But it's not. It's just the other end of the clitoris. And so it's harder to stimulate because in order to stimulate these ends, you're going through the walls and the muscles and the tissues of the vagina rather than directly touching it the way that you can with the external parts. Yeah. So, you know, so it can feel good for a lot of women. For some women, there's just too much tissue and, you know, muscle in the way to be able to feel much sensation. But again, like my belief is if you're struggling go to the clitoris first and let's give the clitoris all the respect, all the love. Let's stop all this BS about how it's hard to find and it's so complicated because it's not. Um, Once you've mastered that, then explore other areas of your body. Get curious, you know, try new things out. It's amazing. You can feel pleasure in your elbow if you want to, but start with the clitoris first. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So for women who have never felt an orgasm before, because I know there's, I know there's some of you out there. Um, a lot more than you would realize. Really? Can we talk about that? I mean, there are no great estimates out there of how many women, but I would estimate that anywhere from like 20 to 25% of women have never had an orgasm. No way. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was much higher than that because this is something that it's so hard to talk about. This is where that comment of, I can't even tell my closest girlfriends comes from most often is, you know, so many women who say, yeah, all my girlfriends can orgasm. I'm the only one who can't, I'm too ashamed or too embarrassed to admit it. Um, so I've heard so many stories of women who will say, you know, I finally got the courage to tell my girlfriends that I have never had an orgasm and all of them cried and said like, I haven't either, you know, but they'd been friends for years and been telling all these stories of, oh, I had this crazy orgasm last night. And oh, it was so amazing. I had multiple orgasms. Um, You know, so we feel this pressure to even with our closest friends to say that we have. So I think that there are so many women out there struggling with it, but who have never told a soul. Wow. So what are your tips for them? Do you have like a step-by-step process on how to have your first (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I sure do. So I think we're going to put together a little page for your community at vmtherapy.com slash manifestation, babe. And so I will put um, some guides that I've written for my step-by-step techniques of exactly how to do it. But we can do a little quick recap right now, um, which is masturbation. Masturbation is going to be the absolute best way. So a lot of women who've never had an orgasm will, you know, they'll do one of my courses and they'll say like, oh, I just want to like learn how to do it with a partner, <laughs> but I really believe that we have to start with ourselves first and yeah. we have to learn like our own bodies, what brings us pleasure and truly learning how to make yourself have an orgasm is one of the most empowering experiences that you will ever have. So it's something that every woman should experience. Um, and I think, so the issue that comes up with masturbation is like, 
no one ever teaches us how to do it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, so you yeah. can find articles online that'll tell you, yeah, masturbate. Um, but nobody ever gives you specific instructions. So that's why it's really important for me to actually break down the process. I created an entire course called Finishing School that really walks you through an exact step-by-step, like do this and then you do this and then you do this, you know, to make it really super clear. Cause I just hate that you see so many, you know, vague and generic articles out there saying, yeah, just masturbate, just explore. <laughs> you know, yeah. we need a we need a framework for how to do it. Totally. I love, love, love that you created a step-by-step because like, you know, people like me would be like, oh, everyone knows how to do it. Like you just do it, right? But it's so true. Like we can't ignore the the people who are silent. They're just silent about it, but they're but they're struggling with it. And it's a real struggle. And like something that I share in my courses is called orgasmic manifesting, which mm-hmm. is using your orgasm to propel energy into your desires. And I swear to God, ever since I started practicing it about two years ago, it's like one of my go-to strategies. But if you, you've never had an orgasm, like it's kind of hard to do the orgasmic manifesting part. So I love, love, love that you created a, a how-to PDF, which by the way, guys, um, the link I will put in the show notes. So what did you say? It's vmtherapy.com slash manifestation, babe, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I'll put a whole bunch of free goodies and information about all of our courses and all kinds of stuff there. Freaking amazing. Okay. So let's say we've been able to have an orgasm on our own, but for some reason, when we're with a partner, we get in our own heads mm-hmm. and we just can't seem to bring ourselves to relax and to do it and to experience it and receive like what is going on in that scenario. And can you share any tips for, for the women who can do it on their own, but not necessarily with a partner? Yeah. So that is something that I can definitely relate to because I was having that struggle for a very long time myself. I figured out how to make myself orgasm, but there was about 10 years where I couldn't orgasm with a partner. And it was so frustrating because it was like, how can I do this on my own? And it's so easy on my own too, but it's so challenging with a partner. So I totally get it. I understand these frustrations. Um, So there are a bunch of different things. One is what we talked about already, which is exploring different masturbation techniques. So if you've been using the same technique over and over again, and that's what happened for me too, um, then that makes it a lot harder to reach an orgasm with your partner. So explore different kinds of techniques. And the second one is to then show your partner what it is that you like and what works for you. So I think, especially with us women, you know, a lot of us have these kind of fantasies in our head of a partner who just knows what to do and just does it all. And it's perfect and wonderful. (laughs) Um, But the reality is like, you know, nobody can read your mind and all women are so unique. So, you know, there's not like, yeah, your partner just can't magically know exactly what it is that you want. And so I think this, it stirs up a lot of maybe the same kind of themes that come up for your clients around like not feeling like we deserve it, not being comfortable asking for what we want or putting it out there, allowing ourselves to kind of be the center of attention. So maybe doing some work with you also helps clear up some of those blockages, but just recognizing like it's okay to talk to your partner about what you like, to show them what you like. Maybe you masturbate for them, the two of you masturbate together. Um, You talk to them about what you like, but That's another great tip as well. And then the third one is specifically for women who are in relationships with men. I think the way that we've been taught to have sex really prioritizes male pleasure. And we get taught that, you know, we're just supposed to like go with the flow and let him do what he wants. And so there are so many women out there who aren't taking any sort of action or taking ownership of their pleasure in the moment. And they're having really boring, really unpleasurable sex. And so it really comes down to recognizing like it's important for us to prioritize female pleasure too, to give it as much priority and emphasis and time as we give to male pleasure. So there's this great quote that I read a while back and I can't remember where it was from, but it was something along the lines of, you know, when men are having sex, they get into the positions that they want and they stroke at the angle that they like, at the speed that they like, in the way that they like. And like, what could sex look like for us women if we gave ourselves yes. that same sort of unapologetic permission to do what we need during sex as well? So. Yeah. Yeah, having sex with a man is finding more ways to bring the clitoris into the party rather than just totally neglecting it. Yeah, I think it's such a great parallel to like life in general. There's a lot of people out there who just don't feel worthy or deserving of what they want. And it's like, it's, it's, it's something that can either start in the bedroom and then, you know, um, 
cover other areas of your life, or it could be something that starts in another area of your life and then comes into the bedroom. But like either way, you have to like come to a place where it's like, no, 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 no. I get to have what I want and I'm just as worthy as my partner. And with this is a partnership, right? It's a partnership, right? So it's both of us together, you know, regardless of who you are, male, female, 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 male, male, like both of you are in it together. Both of you are hundred percent in it. So both of you deserve to experience the level of pleasure that both of you deserve. And I think it's so important, you know, like it's very interesting because I had a, I had an interesting experience myself where I learned this, which was, um, like for instance, I've been with both men who are circumcised and men who are uncircumcised mm-hmm. and the way that you pleasure uncircumcised men and circumcised men is actually very different. And so I've had, I've had the, you know, curiosity of like opening up that communication and asking them, okay, do you like this? Do you like that? Cause I've never experienced this before. Like, does that feel good or whatever? And I was just like, Hmm, this is so interesting. Like they were so comfortable telling me what they like, what they want. Like, let me try the same. And then opening up that channel of communication, it was just such a game changer. And I learned like from my relationship with my husband, he's like, listen, men really do want to know how to pleasure you. Like they want to make you happy. They want to please you. It's part of that like masculine energy within them. They want to see that feminine, like radiant and glowing and happy and excited and in her pleasure and in her divine essence. And so it's really just about like recognizing that both parties want you to be pleasured. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's about you just like being brave enough to do that. Yeah, it's, that's a great point that you bring up. I mean, so many of us really struggle with allowing ourselves to receive and to take up space inside and outside the bedroom. You're totally right that, yeah, there's stuff that affects us in the bedroom, leaks out to the bedroom and vice versa. Um, but it's it's always really interesting when I'm working with couples because I'll end up talking to the woman about, you know, oh God, I don't want to hurt his feelings and I don't know how to say it. I don't know what I like and all this stuff. And her partner will just be sitting there being like, I literally don't care. Like, I just want to bring you pleasure. And if that takes us exploring, if you have no idea, like, I don't care. All that I want is just to bring you pleasure in whatever way I can, you know, whatever way I can. And I think that, yeah, a lot of times it's like our partners are trying to give us this gift of like, I want to give you my time, my energy, my attention. I want that for you. And so many of us are not allowing ourselves to receive that gift. It's like, we're actually turning our backs on the yeah. So I think that can be an interesting way to think about is, yeah, can I allow myself to receive this gift from my partner to recognize that I am worthy and I am deserving? And for most women too, like think about how generous are you with your partner? How much do you prioritize their pleasure and want them to feel good? Like we have to recognize that the same can be true for us as well. Yeah, totally. Totally. Can we talk about, um, you know, keeping the spice alive in like long-term partnerships, long-term marriages. Like I had some women be like, I've been with my partner for 30 years. Like it's getting boring. (laughs) (laughs) How do we spice it up? And especially I think like 2020, for example, even couples who haven't been together for very long, like all of a sudden, if they're living together, they're spending 24 seven together in court. (laughs) They're getting on each other's nerves, right? They almost feel like, roommate slash sibling slash, you know, husband, wife or wife, wife or husband, husband, like what is, what are some of your tips for sex for people in long-term relationships? Yeah, that is such a big one that so many of us struggle with. And I think a lot of it comes down to our expectations again, too. A lot of us just want sex to be amazing and perfect from now until eternity. (laughs) And we have to realize like it can be, but it's going to take some effort. So it's really getting over that initial hurdle of, of recognizing it's okay to work on your sex life. It's okay for it to feel challenging sometimes and to take some effort. That's what's going to be, you know, keeping it exciting and spicy for the long term. So when it comes to, you know, trying new things in the bedroom. Like we all have heard this advice. It's not rocket science, but there actually is a lot of science behind it. Like proving that when we do new things with our partners, it lights up all these areas of our brain that, you know, keep us more engaged, that make us feel excited. So it really is good advice, even though it sounds really generic. I think that the the issue where a lot of people go wrong is they hear like spice it up and they think that it needs to go to this extreme. Like there have to be these crazy fantasies. You have to like tie each other up, hang from the ceiling, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, that's cool. If you want to do any of that, that is great. (laughs) Be as kinky as you want to be. But the reality is that trying something new could be as simple as 
having sex at a different time of day, which you just mentioned, like made a huge difference in your sex life, right? Yeah. So like you probably wouldn't have thought of that as like, oh, that's an amazing way to spice up my sex life. It's going to bring all this energy into my sex life, but it did. So it's like, it's kind of lowering the bar in that way. It's like, you know, try different positions, try it with more lights on, try making more noise than you usually do. You know, it's like small, simple changes can actually make a really big difference. And oftentimes if we allow ourselves to try those smaller changes, they feel less intimidating. Like if you're kind of a little bit of a vanilla person, the idea of like trying a different sex position probably sounds a lot more doable than, oh, my partner has to hang me by my toes from the ceiling, right? (laughs) So if you give yourself the permission to try some of those things that feel a little bit easier, that will often open the door to realizing, oh, that wasn't so hard. Maybe we try a different position or maybe we try a little bit of spanking this time or a little talking dirty this time. So it's, you know, if we give ourselves like those baby steps rather than feeling like we've got to jump into the deep end of the pool. Yeah. First thing. <laughs> yeah that is such great advice. Oh my God. That's amazing. Um, I was going to say something and, and it just slipped my mind. So hopefully it come back to me. Are you cool with doing like a rapid like Q and A in terms of like some questions that I got in my in my uh, Q and A box? Like absolutely, I- and you know what? I should also mention one other quick thing about the keeping it spicy. I should put in a little plug for another one of our courses, which is called the Thirty Day Sex Challenge. That mm-hmm. actually gives you thirty different uh, thirty different days worth of ideas of new things to try in the bedroom together. So oh, a lot that. of times people just struggle coming up with new ideas. So yeah. that's put the challenge together. You actually get two ideas every day and you get to decide which one sounds better to you. And they're not all sex. Some of them are more sensual and intimate. Um, so that can be a great way if you're like, I just have some creative blocks. I don't really know what are the new things to try. Like go check that out. It can be a really, really fun thing to do. Even if you have a great sex life, it's still fun to kind of have this challenge of like, this is what you have to do today. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I'm going to check that out myself. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I find that like, if you just like go to Google, they're just going to be like, use handcuffs or buy this or buy this or buy that. And it's just like the creativity goes beyond that. Like it definitely goes beyond that. Something that popped back into my mind actually that I wanted to share is that I found that when my husband and I are the most annoyed with each other and like on each other's nerves is when there's actually the most sexual tension built up between us. Ooh. Just realize that I'm like, just get in the fucking bed. Like, we'll just do this. Like right afterwards, (laughs) it's like every single problem we had just solves itself because all of a sudden he has a release. I have a release and we just come back into harmony and we're able to like talk to each other in a completely different tone. Or we realize that that big problem that we thought it was so big and so impossible to solve is literally not a problem. And so I noticed like, just like from my personal experience to share with anyone who's just like getting really annoyed with their husbands or wives. And it's just like, you're in close quarters together and you're just like, ah, fuck you. Like try having sex, like just try and see if that's something that can help alleviate some of that, like, oh, that angst. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I am going to just spit out some questions that I got from the babes. Um, Someone asked, how do you deal, oh, any vaginal care routines? And if so, how often? Ooh, this is a great question. No, do not do anything to your vagina. Um, this is, you know, we as women, we are, have been taught from a very young age that our vaginas are kind of weird. They're like icky and smelly and gross uh, and dirty. And so there is a multi-billion dollar industry all around, you know, different douches and washes and scents and all they're like masks now, like all kinds of stuff. The reality is your vagina is self-cleaning. She does an amazing job of keeping herself healthy and safe and wonderful. The best thing that you can do for her is just not put, don't put anything up there. Don't wash her. Don't, you know, any sort of thing you can really irritate. Actually, your the, you know, the walls of your vagina, you can disrupt your pH. So the best thing you can do is just like wash with warm water and maybe a little washcloth. That's all you need to do. Mm, good, good advice. And then someone asked, what about smells? Like, let's just say that you leave your vagina alone, but there's a strong smell. 
So if there's, yeah, if there's a really strong smell, it's definitely something you want, might want to go check out with an OBGYN because odors can be a sign that, that there's an infection or an irritation mm-hmm. going on. And mm-hmm. it's often really, really simple to solve. So if, if it feels very different from what it usually smells like, then definitely go check it out. On the other hand, though, like I was just saying a, mo- a moment ago, we are taught to believe that our vaginas are really smelly. So most women feel super self-conscious of like, oh, it's just kind of gross. and um, and the reality is that that's just our natural scent and it's perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And very similar to what we were talking about, about how guys actually really do like to pleasure women. Guys love the smell of your vagina. <laughs> like I swear to you, <laughs> there's an industry where women sell their used underwear because guys like the smells of vaginas so much. <laughs> so <laughs> oh my definitely God. not something that we need to worry about. Like all, you know, as long as you're washing yourself, there's not any Infection, like you smell perfect, I promise. I love that. That's so <laughs> that's so true and so funny. Oh my god. Um, another question I have here is can every woman squirt? And if I can't, is there something wrong? Oh, these are such good questions. Oh, they get juicy. They yeah. Get juicy. <laughs> Squirting, yeah, literally juicy. <laughs> So squirting is really interesting because it's actually become a little bit of a trend. So even as recently as five years ago, I was getting emails from women saying, I squirt. It's so embarrassing. I hate it. How do I stop doing it? Mm. And now it's like become this trendy thing and everyone's desperate to do it. So now my entire inbox is like, how do I squirt? How do I squirt (laughs) for men? How do I make my partner squirt? So (laughs) with squirting, it is something that you can learn how to do. There are some women who just kind of naturally do it. Some women where you have to learn how to do it. Um, we don't have any great data on all, are all women capable of doing it. Um, so I just like to think of it as, you know, if you feel genuinely curious and excited and want to explore, sure, go ahead and explore. Just know that there's a high likelihood that you might not ever be able to do it, but don't do it because your partner's pressuring you to do it, or you feel like it's this new benchmark that you have to live up to. Yeah, It's it's just a simple body function. Our bodies can expel fluid just in the same way that men's bodies expel fluid. Um, The other thing to know about squirting is it's not the same as an orgasm and it's completely separate. So you can orgasm without squirting. You can squirt without orgasming. So if it just feels like a way that you have to perform, which I think for the vast majority of women, it does yeah forget about it yeah that was always my perception of it and I love what you said like just because it's on cosmopolitan cover of how to sport doesn't mean you gotta do it (laughs) there will be some new trend in a couple more years too it'll be like I don't know how to have your I don't even want to guess how to poop (laughs) at the same time as the orgasm and if you can't do that there's something wrong with Um, I love this. Vanessa, do Kegels really work? Someone asked that. Yeah. So Kegels do work. Um, what Kegels are is an exercise for the, your pelvic floor muscles. And so your pelvic floor muscles basically like hold everything in place in your pelvis. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like a hammock in your pelvis. Mm -hmm. And so just like any other muscle, like I can do bicep curls and strengthen my bicep. You can do Kegels to strengthen the Kegel or the PC muscles or what they're called. Um, so they can be really great because they contribute to your core strength. They can help with incontinence issues for women. They can can definitely affect orgasm. So they can, if you have stronger muscles, it can make it more likely that you'll reach orgasm and make the orgasms themselves stronger. So there are a ton of great benefits to doing them. Um, The only thing that you need to watch out for is if you already have any sort of sexual pain, which this is another interesting little tidbit, 30% of women reported that in their last sexual interaction, they experienced sexual pain, which Mm -hmm. is wild that it's that high. So if you have any sort of sexual pain or discomfort, don't do Kegel exercises because you can actually overtrain the muscles again in the same sort of way that if I'm doing the bicep curls every single day, like I could strain my bicep. Right. So any sort of sexual pain, avoid them. If it causes any discomfort, avoid them. But the basic um, you know, principle of how you do the uh, Kegel exercise is the next time you're on the toilet and you're peeing, cut off your flow of urine before your bladder is empty. So the muscles that you have to use to do that are your uh, your kegel muscles, your PC muscles. And so it's like, it's kind of like a little lifting up sensation that you have. Yeah. So to do the exercise, you can do two different kinds of exercises, short pulses where you just like squeeze up 
and release and just do it gently. Don't go crazy, like try to do it super tight, just a little gentle squeeze and release. And then you can do these longer holds where you sort of imagine that, that there's like a little elevator in your vagina and you're like pulling it, slowly pulling it. Up. I can't, I'm doing it right now. I like, I can't ever describe it without doing it in the moment. So I'm doing one right now. <laughs> but you imagine Same. a little elevator like traveling up your vagina hold it at the top for like a second and then slowly release it back down. And over time you can work up to at, when you get to the top, kind of holding it for a couple of seconds at a time and then releasing. So you can do that, do like 10, 20 pulses, 10 longer holds once a day. And that's it. I know there's a lot of like talk around it in terms of like after giving vaginal birth, like for women, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. strengthen their PC muscles again, like Kegel exercises are very, very good for that. And they even have like I saw, I was watching some, cause I'm like planning for like the near, not too near future, but near future of like becoming a mom. So I've been watching a lot of like vlogs and stuff. I, and I've been literally learning. I'm one of those people that just researches the hell out of anything that's relevant to her life. So like birth is very relevant because at some point in the future, I'm going to give birth. And so I've been just like watching other people give birth and like what, what is sex like after birth and just like going into all the things. And one of the things I, um, I saw is one woman recommended there's this like, there's this like almost toy that you insert. Mm-hmm. It's like a thing they insert inside and then it comes with an app and the yeah. app literally, it's like a game that you play yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. With doing Kegels. And it's like, when you want the character to jump or something, you squeeze and it's just, uh-huh. it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I had it and I got totally addicted to that. I was like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. So the, the toys and the apps are nice because it gives you real feedback about like how hard are you wow. squeezing and how long are you holding? And it makes it fun. Um, I found that I used it for like a couple of weeks and I was having a lot of fun and then it just, I kind of lost interest in it. I was like, I don't want to be doing this every single day when yeah. I can just do the exercise on my own. So yeah. if you don't have the money to spend on it, it's totally fine. You don't yeah. need it. If you want to have like a fun little splurge, a toy like that can be a lot of fun, but you definitely don't need it to do your exercises. I love it. Let's just do two more questions. Um, one is actually, it's more of a theme that I'm noticing in here. Like for instance, I'll just read one. WTF is up with my shocking subconscious fantasies about abuse and unwanted conception. Like mm-hmm. I've seen some women talk about like, I'm having these crazy fantasies of things I never want in real life, never would want to experience in real life. It's not an actual desire in real life, but for some reason it gets me off. Can oh, we yeah. talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a a super common thing that comes up too. So the important thing for us to realize about fantasies is that they're just that, fantasies. Mm. They're not secret signs of what we actually want. They are not, you know, like directives of we must do this in our real life just because we are fantasizing about it. They're just things that we like to play with in our heads. And oftentimes the things that in our real lives we never would do are the things that in our fantasies are kind of fun and exciting because it feels taboo. So, you know, a great example of this is a rape fantasy. Rape fantasy is one of the top three female fantasies. No way. Yeah. It doesn't mean though that there are millions of women walking around actually wanting to be raped. I don't think there's a single woman out there who actually wants to be raped. It's just that it's something that feels very taboo, very dark, you know, and there's something that feels kind of alluring about it for some women, you know, in terms of fantasizing. So yeah, take that pressure away from your fantasizing, realizing that, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to do it. It doesn't mean that it's something that you secretly want to do. Um, And then from there, like, just see how you feel about your fantasies. So if you realize like, yeah, okay, I can play around with like a great example is a lot of women fantasize about being with another woman that's totally fine. That's really normal. If you enjoy doing that and you hear me saying like, okay, yeah, that doesn't mean you need to now go hook up with a woman. Maybe that helps you realize like, yeah, I do actually kind of have fun fantasizing about that when I masturbate. Go for it. Um, But there may be certain other circumstances where a woman thinks like, you know, I just... I don't really love that this is something that I'm fantasizing about. And even if you recognize like it's normal, it's okay, there's still some discomfort there, then you can wean yourself off of fantasies too. It's actually really similar to what we talked about, about trying different masturbation techniques. Mm-hmm. You just need to explore different things and try masturbating without it. And you will gradually build up those neural pathways so that then you don't need it anymore. I can speak from experience. There were fantasies mm-hmm. that I've had where I'm just like, I can't, like, I had a go-to fantasy that just became such a distraction. And it's like, why is this the only thing I can think about that gets me off? And so it took some time, you know, the next time that I would masturbate and like force myself to think about something else, of course, it would take 
10 times longer. But as long as you're patient with yourself, you will find yourself like taking a break and like able to switch things around in your mind. And the more often that you do it, as you said, like you're going to find yourself getting off of different scenarios or different things much faster. If you just be patient with yourself with that, like length of time that it might take you to get there. Cause I think, exactly. I think some people yeah. give up too, too quickly. They're like, ah, oh, shit, this doesn't work now. It's taking me an hour to yeah. orgasm. Like, no, 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 keep going. Keep going. It will, your brain will adjust. It just can feel really scary at first. You're like, Oh my God, I've, I've ruined myself for life. You have not. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Last question that came up a lot is how to be comfortable with myself naked or like, just women feeling self-conscious in general in the bedroom. Like what is something that we can do or do you have any advice for us to remedy that? Oh, this is such a central thing that comes up for so many women, isn't it? Um, I think that for me, where I start with this is recognizing that we were not born feeling ashamed of our bodies. Mm -hmm. We were taught to be. Yeah. And it is so fucking profitable to make a woman feel bad about her body. There are so many things that you can sell to her, so many hoops that you can make her jump through if she feels badly about her body. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, like, I mean, I'm like any other woman out there. I've had my own body confidence struggles. I don't have a perfect body image. I'm not like, you know, a hundred percent of the time walking around feeling amazing. (laughs) But when I get into those challenging spots for myself, I think about that. And I think about, God, this is bullshit that we've been taught to believe that our bodies need to look this like very specific way. Um, And I also think about like all of the energy and the time that we spend worrying about our bodies. What could we do with all of that if we funneled it into something different? Hmm. We would run the world. (laughs) Really would. Yeah. There's so much more that we can do. So I think it, it ties into these much bigger conversations about like oppression and, you know, and uh, sexism and all kinds of stuff. Um, so that's my like really big answer. Um, so get yourself fired up about that. And then I think kind of the more practical day-to-day stuff is doing things that make your body feel good. It's trying to develop a better relationship with your body by taking care of it. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm not talking about like exercise, you can lose weight, but is there a way of moving your body that feels genuinely good for you? Is there a place that you like to go to or taking baths or just sitting out in the sunshine? Like, is there something that you do that makes you feel connected to your body and relaxed? I think a lot of times we want to get into the bedroom and just feel this perfect unflinching confidence, but we don't do anything in our day-to-day lives that actually connects us with our body and gives us a healthy relationship. So it's, it's really finding like, what is something small that I can do for my body every single day to show my body that I love it. I care about it. I want us to have a good relationship. And then I guess the last little thing that I can say is that we've had this theme running through uh, our podcast today, but um, also recognizing that your partner thinks your body is a thousand times sexier than you think it is. Like everything that you even, you know, hate about your body or dislike, your partner probably thinks that that's actively sexy. So it's also being able to recognize like nobody is ever judging you the way that you're judging yourself. So I have a really funny example. Actually, there was a few years ago that Xander and I were having sex and he said something like, it's like, Oh, your your butt is so cute at this angle. And I was like, oh, thanks, babe. And I was like, yeah, you have these like really hot little dimples on it. And it took me a second and I'm like, oh, you're talking about cellulite. Like that's cellulite on my ass. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I didn't I didn't even know what that was. Like, I just think it's super hot that you've got these like really cute little dimples back here. Oh, <laughs> and so that was just such a good moment for me of recognizing, wow, it's something that I've been super self-conscious of that, you know, if I could pay so much money to make those go away, I might like, here's my husband out of nowhere. It's not like he knew that I was feeling bad and he's trying to pump me up. It's like out of nowhere, he's saying, I think this part of your body is super hot. Oh my God. That's, such a, great, <laughs> that's such a great story. And such a great example. <laughs> Like I could literally be, and I love what you said because it's so true. Like I learn a lot from my husband and he's just so incredible. And I just like observe him sometimes. And it's so true. I could literally have like breakouts all over my face, like put on five pounds, be super bloated, PMSy. I take off my robe and he just gets a boner instantly. Yep. And <laughs> I'm ready to get in the bed. Like, 
And I'm just literally like, no, like I look like shit. And, you know, and, and I find that it just, it's all, it all comes down. I love that you mentioned like, how can you take care of your body? Because I found that for me, it's not about weight. It's not about like losing inches. It's none of that. Like I could literally be the same weight, look the same. If I exercise and move my body that day and I ate like pretty healthy, like nutritious food, I feel like a bombshell by the end of the Mm -hmm. night. And there's no shift in weight. There's no shift in the way that I look. It's only been 12 hours, but like, I just feel hot and it just comes from inside. And when I have that internal feeling, my sex life is so much better. But if I don't take care of my body, even let's say like I am 10 pounds skinnier and like I look amazing and blah, 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 blah. But I like ate junk food that entire day and I didn't move my body and I sat on the couch. There's no way in hell you're getting me in the bedroom. There's Mm -hmm. just no way in hell that I feel good about myself, even though I might look better than some other point in my life. So it's just fascinating. And uh, you brought that up, that it's so important to take care of your body and that's going to translate energetically and physically and all the different levels, um, mentally, emotionally into the bedroom as well. Yeah, absolutely. It makes such a huge difference. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. For anyone, you know, you mentioned um, the the special website that we're going to link for the show notes for all the resources and awesome courses and stuff that you offer. But besides there, do you have anywhere else where we can find you on the internet, take your courses, learn more about you, all that good stuff? Yeah. So my website is at vmtherapy.com. And again, yeah, at the like slash manifestation babe, we'll set up a ton of, of fun stuff for all your audience. And then you can also find me over on social. Instagram's my favorite platform. So I'm at Vanessa Marin Therapy over there. And I do like daily stories with different tips and advice. And I take questions and answer them and all of that. So I would love to connect with any of your community over there. Amazing. And guys, for those of you listening, I really challenge you to... Um, be uncomfortable, be comfortable being uncomfortable and really explore this side of your life just on another level deeper. Like, let's say you're already open about sex, like just go a little bit deeper or just go a little bit further or just get a little more comfortable with it. And one way that you can do that is take a screenshot of this episode right now and tag both Vanessa and I, and just share it with somebody that you love, share it with your audience, share it with your partner, share it with a girlfriend, share it with whomever. Um, but just share it. I know we talk about sex and we talk about a lot of personal things here and it's going to bring up things for you as well. But we would absolutely love to hear your takeaways, your feedback, your breakthroughs, just what you learned, all that good stuff. So definitely tag us on the Instagram. And that is that. Thank you, Vanessa, so much for coming on. I truly appreciate you taking the time and educating us and sharing your amazing tips with us. Thank you so much. It's truly been an honor. I really appreciate being able to speak to your community. So thank you for taking the time today too. Yay. And for the rest of you guys listening, I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at Manifestation Babe or visiting my website at manifestationbabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.